This episode is kindly brought to you by Bubba Bump. Bubba Bump was created by a mother for mothers. Magella created Bubba Bump around the same time as her first daughter was born as she wanted to create a brand that helped both mothers and babies. Fast forward three years and Magella has built her brand whilst late night breastfeeding, attending markets every weekend with her daughter in the carrier, trial and error and building the product catalogue to include more and more essentials, which is something she's grown more and more proud of. And once again, proof that women can multitask like no other. A huge focus of Bubba Bump and the passion behind the brand is nurturing the mother, to have all mums prepare for postpartum and set themselves up well for their recovery. Every single item sold has a practical purpose that will aid recovery. The Labour Prep and Postpartum Recovery Box is an all-in-one answer to making sure mums can take charge of their recovery as they heal. We love this brand and we love brands that empower and support women and we know you'll love it too. listening to with woman a podcast hosted by midwives sophie and ashley join us as we help you to navigate the transition from womanhood to motherhood and everything in between with woman is your unfiltered and raw guide to empowering you to trust the process in hopes that each episode leaves you feeling a little more supported through your journey before we get into this episode a little disclaimer Although we are midwives, the information discussed in this podcast is not intended to substitute the care or advice of your healthcare provider. And we swear a lot. So here's your warning on that too. Hello, hello, hello. hello. Welcome to episode six of With Woman. How are we here already? I know. It's gone really fast, actually. <laughs> so fast. <laughs> but then it's also gone really slow at the same time. When we're editing, it goes really slow. Yeah, Ash now has that job pretty much. <laughs> we switched roles actually. We did, didn't we? If yeah. anyone wants to know any spelling mistakes and everything on media, that's me. <laughs> All the Friday funnies are also Sophie. <laughs> and that's why we missed it on last Friday because we were at the pub. Boozing. Which finally. <laughs> it's pretty exciting that we have a sponsor for this episode. Yes, this episode is kindly brought to you by Bubba Bump. We wanted to dedicate an episode focused solely on the fourth trimester. It's a term not often used when describing the transition from pregnancy to motherhood, but we love this term as it encapsulates this time as an extension of your pregnancy. The fourth trimester is in reference to the 12-week period following the birth of a baby, and it's a time where a mother needs to be nurtured and supported as much as her baby does, and it's a time of not only identity shifts, but also emotional and physical changes. Oh yeah, a lot. Within this time, we have the postpartum period, which accounts for the first six weeks post-birth, which is the amount of time it takes for a mother's hormone levels to return to their pre-pregnancy state. And to all the mamas listening who've birthed a baby, you know that this transition goes very much far beyond this point. (laughs) (laughs) There's often so much focus on the postnatal period, which is often interchangeably used with the term postpartum. But the term postnatal actually refers to the baby, which is where a lot of the focus lies in society these days. I think many women are deceived into thinking that the six-week check is the moment they should be back to their pre-baby self. I think it's that because everyone just thinks like you have your six-week postnatal check and then that's it. Wrap it up. Yeah, you don't really get much follow-up past that, really. (laughs) We're told regularly that stitches will be healed, hormones are finished fluctuating, your baby will be out of the newborn period. (laughs) That's the biggest lie ever. (laughs) Absolutely not. You can drive post-cesarean section. But what about if you're not feeling yourself by this time? The answer is 100% it's okay because a fourth trimester can be long-lasting and there is never a time frame that you should have to adhere to. Every single woman has a different time period to when they're going to feel normal. or It's a new normal. It's a new it's normal. It's ju- an yeah. adjustment. Yeah, it is. So we've dedicated this episode to the mother who is the most important person in the fourth trimester. As we know, most people focus on the baby. So we hope that this episode is useful to your journey. Firstly, let's talk about all the things that might happen to your vagina. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because a lot does happen. Mm. (laughs) You're just having a moment to think about it. Did you just see my face ponder? Yeah, you looked out to the water. Anyway, back to um, back to vaginas. <laughs> back to vaginas. Let's let's bring it back. Tangent. Let's tangent. Bring it back. <laughs> so we've previously spoken on the impact vaginal 
births may have on the pelvic floor. But we haven't spoken about how it could lead to severe pain, dryness, scar tissue and swelling, as well as pelvic floor dysfunction. Now, this is not to scare you. And if the prospect of listening to us talk about this is too overwhelming, then definitely skip through the next couple of minutes. But firstly, we just want to say that these changes to your vagina are normal. And not everyone goes through the same changes as well. Definitely not. So don't be ashamed. Your body has just grown and birthed a baby and you've pushed a melon out of a very small space. So Uh go you. You're a bloody legend. 100%. (laughs) And even if you've had a Caesar as well, a lot of these things can happen to your vagina as well. We've previously discussed the importance of good pelvic floor assessment following vaginal births. And it would be our absolute dream that adequate postnatal follow-up was free and routinely provided in and outpatient maternity services. However, I think we all know that unfortunately we aren't quite there yet, but let's get talking about it. During the first few weeks slash months, because as we said, there's no time frame, pelvic floor rehab is so important. We're conditioned to believe that the pelvic floor dysfunction is common after birthing babies, but this doesn't mean it's normal. If you have the means to see a women's health physio, then definitely book in to see them at around about four to six weeks post-birth. Now, bladder and bowel weakness in the first few days post-birth isn't uncommon. Some women may experience a loss of urge to pass urine or even loss of control in holding wind. Oh, that's a big one. (laughs) Yeah. This um, decrease in sensation or loss of control of urine in particular can be quite common after a vaginal birth where you've had a long second stage. So that's the part in labor where you're pushing or if you've had an instrumental birth. And this occurs because of a combination of hormones as well as the pelvic floor muscles being weakened through the birthing process. Most of the time, your body just needs time to actually rest. And these things will self-resolve on their own within a few days. So if you experience this, ensure you drink plenty of water, eat lots of fiber, and regularly toilet yourself. You're probably thinking, what does that even mean? (laughs) How do I toilet myself? Um, But basically, go to the bathroom regularly. If you've lost the urge to actually pass your you can't feel that your bladder is full anymore then set an alarm and go every three to four hours going to the bathroom every three to four hours it releases the pressure off your pelvic floor from having a really full bladder so this will help to regulate yourself again if this continues then it's definitely a reason to talk to your healthcare provider and don't dismiss these symptoms if they are prolonged because that's not normal yeah and there's definitely things that you can do to stop that from happening So there's also some discomforts like swelling um, and there's steps that you should do for caring for your stitches if you do have any. So tearing during birth is quite normal and it's quite common as well. Around about 80 to 85% of first time mothers will tear during childbirth and the stitches could be anywhere. And when we say anywhere, <laughs> they really have a very vast... Uh, it's a small space, but there's a lot of oppos. <laughs> there definitely is, isn't there? So some women have stitches to their clitoris, which... Possibly the most uncomfortable, I think. Oh, yeah. When you see it happening, you're like, oh, no, I'm so sorry. And it's a very <laughs> sensitive area yeah. to suture as well. Yeah, it's so, quite uncomfortable. Yeah, no matter how much lignocaine... Which is a local anaesthetic. local anaesthetic. ...around that area... I find a lot of women with stitches in that area still feel yeah. like, what is it, like the nerve sensation. Yeah, because there's yeah. so many nerves in that A place. lot of nerves. Also your urethra, so there can be some tears just around that area. Which is the opening to your bladder. Your perineum or even your internal area leading toward your back passage. So thankfully, there's a wonderful blood supply to your vagina. So it often heals well and quickly. And this is as long as you take care of it. So for most women, stitches will dissolve within about two to three weeks. But as is with everything in our bodies, you heal on your own schedule and it can take up to like six weeks for you to heal. Yeah. So when caring for wounds to the vagina... There's a couple of points that Ash and I have come up with. So change your pad often, even if it's not even soaked in blood. So Mm. a lot of women just think, yeah, I'll change my pad when it like looks full. But if you're changing it regularly, it's just better for hygiene as well. So think like you can sometimes sweat and everything, especially when you're sitting down feeding a lot. So just try to change it every like two hours. Keeping your stitches as clean and dry as possible 
as hard as that sounds, yeah. is really important. So like so said, obviously the way to maintain that clean and dry environment is obviously by changing your pad regularly. And it does get hard when you're like bleeding and everything. Yeah. So it's hard to keep dry. But if you're keeping it clean as in washing as much as possible, and there's multiple ways you can do this. I took a pump bottle, mm-hmm. like water bottle, um, yeah. every single time I went to the toilet and just filled it with warm water. Don't have to put soap or anything in there. And I would just squeeze the bottle at the same time that I was going to the toilet. And yeah. that helped so much. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Heard it from the source. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of women, and you can even get the, um, the squeegee like perineum bottles now. Also washing your stitches, if possible, two to three times a day. So after you go to the toilet, whether it's to do a wee or poo, just if you can jump in the shower, it's really handy if your shower has one of the um, handheld yeah, shower little shower heads that yeah, comes off. Yeah. yeah, and you can just give a little quick rinse. Otherwise, as I said, you can do it with a bottle. And this just keeps hygiene at a maximum. Since you're washing that area so frequently, it's also important to dry it. So make sure you're pat drying, not rubbing your stitches when you're drying them off, um, or even use a hairdryer on a low heat setting to dry that area off before you put your underwear back on. And also don't use fragrant soaps, really. So Fragrant? 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 Fragrant. Fragrant? <laughs> Sounds like I was saying like fragrant or something. <laughs> Who uses the term? I don't know. know. (laughs) Yuck. (laughs) Do you know, actually, fun fact, I have a lot of... um, Condoms at home? No. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah? (laughs) Oh, fucking hell. I, like, at work, we use them to cover the ultrasound probes, the internal ultrasound probes. Yes, I do. But like, I get a lot of practice putting them on. They're actually really hard. Back to this. So don't use any fragrant soaps because this can irritate the area as well. They do say that you warm water is enough. So don't feel like you need to put anything topically soaps to clean. Now, this is a point that I think is really important. Agreed. As hard as it can be for some women or partners, whoever, someone has to have a look. And it should be you. Well, yeah. It's your body. Yeah. And it's not going to look as drastic or as no. bad as you think it's going to look. A lot Half of the time you can't even see oh, where yeah. it's been yeah. sutured. And a lot of times if your stitches are internal as well, all you literally see is like a couple of little stitches. Your vagina still looks the same. It looks the same. Same, same, but different. <laughs> if you've had an episiotomy, you'll probably have like a lot of swelling or if you've had an instrumental yeah, bruising. Yes. And if you really don't want to, at least get your partner to have a look because then you can look for signs and symptoms of infection. Yeah. You yeah. need to know that it's progressively healing and the only way to do that is by actually having a look. And it often feels worse than it yeah. actually looks as yeah. well. So that might take away a little bit of anxiety that you may be feeling about that area. I know some women often struggle, particularly in the first couple of days, to want to use the bathroom, want to pass urine, want to open your bowels because of how much pressure and discomfort is down there. But if you look at it, that may help mentally with going through that natural bodily functions. And especially if you're just kind of having a little bit of a feel when you go to the toilet, all you're going to feel is swelling and it just doesn't even feel like your vagina. So if you have a look, it's going to settle your nerves. And then if you have any concerns about infection, just look for redness, swelling, increased pain. Yeah, increased pain. Abnormal like smell. It shouldn't smell any different than what your vagina usually does. So if it has a bit of more of an offensive smell, then definitely speak to your healthcare provider. Or a different discharge, discharge as well. Yeah. yeah. So you will get discharge postnatally because you'll be bleeding as well. But it should never be greenish, sluffy, yellowish. Describe sluffy. Mm. It's hard to describe what it that is, word means, it? doesn't it? Like thick mucus. But off your skin. Grainy too? Yes. yes. Grainy. Grainy. Yeah. That's our description of sluffy. Sluffy. <laughs> <laughs> also, if your vagina is stinging when you're going to the toilet, there's a couple of things that you can do to help yourself out. You can get sachets of urol and they just go in some water and it helps to dilute your urine. You can also take some Panadol, 
drink lots of water. This again is going to help make your urine not so concentrated. So it won't sting as your urine hits the stitches on the way out. Now it's important to note too that stitches are dissolvable and you may find some of the small stitch fibers in your underwear or on your pad as different parts of the suture material dissolve quicker than others. So as your skin heals, what your body isn't absorbing in the breakdown of that suture will just kind of drop and fall out. So if you see that, that's fine. It doesn't necessarily mean that the wound has come apart. I think a lot of women wig out about that, hey? For sure. They call quite regularly being like, I've just found like some stitch in my undies. Like my stitches are coming undone. Yeah. It's just healing. Sometimes too, in the first couple of days, it feels, your sutures may feel quite tense or tight yeah like you're gonna like pop it open if yeah. you push or anything yeah. yeah so just keep in mind it's very rare that sutures or wounds will dehiss and usually if it does it's attributed to infection as opposed to you know you moving your leg in a certain position and causing like them to pop a stitch. wounds can break down though um and kind of look like the stitches are opening up mm. so again as we said before look for signs of infection and if you're really concerned call your healthcare provider. But not every woman will experience vaginal discomfort post-birth, but it is common and it may range from a couple of days to weeks um, and it can also be mild to severe. You can still have like a little bit of swelling and whatnot yeah. as well. You have just pushed out a watermelon. <laughs> Mini watermelon, big watermelon, they range from sizes. <laughs> so a couple of other little things that you can help with that initial discomfort is that you can make um, some homemade ice packs. So you can either purchase ice packs. Lots of brands sell ice packs for postpartum. So you just pop them in the freezer and then put them on as you need. As soon as they go warm, you take them off. Um, but you can actually make them at home as well. So you could use a pad or a liner, fill that with water and then freeze it. Some people like to add witch hazel or aloe vera gel onto those I'm just going to say, but, yeah. oh, that felt so amazing. Yeah. Honestly, the best The witch thing. hazel? or did Witch you use... hazel and aloe vera. Yeah, you used both? Yep, used both. I pre-made them before I had, had him. Um, and I had like five sitting in the freezer in a snap lock bag ready to go. Oh, my God. They felt amazing. <laughs> it was just, oh, every single time I took it off, I was like, need another one. <laughs> So do that. It feels amazing. If it's painful to sit down or lie in bed, try supporting yourself on soft cushions so you're not sitting right on your affected area. Or try like side lying. Mm. That could... <laughs> Sorry. I was thinking about something. Frangers, back to frangers. Some people fill them up. <laughs> Stop it. Some people fill condoms up with water. And then put it down their crack. I'm just thinking for hemorrhoids. That's a good one. Yeah, oh, um, I used, if you get a glove. Oh, yeah. Like the gloves that, I don't know. Flog like some a, from the hospital. Yeah, flog some gloves. <laughs> you fill that with water, cut the fingers off. Yes. Yeah, and put them in the freezer. Yeah. Yeah. Because as well as vaginal discomfort, which we'll head into shortly, you can also get some hemorrhoids and discomfort around your I bottom. I think everyone knows that I've spoken about my hemorrhoids enough. Yeah. I mean, we don't need to go into it, but using like an iced finger, that can help. Yeah. You can kind of yeah. hit two birds with one stone yeah, in that area a with a really little good finger. Idea, yeah, you're welcome. Comfy clothes. Don't underestimate the pajamas. Comfy tracksuits. Big underwear. Yeah, nothing that's going to like sit on, like you don't want any like G-strings. No, 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 no. Or no, any no. lacy underneath. Nothing lacy. No. It needs to be like bamboo, cotton, really breathable fabric. Dark fabrics too because yeah. you might have a little bit of leakage. Um, some people tend to purchase their like Depends. Oh, the disposable undies. Um, Very underwear. handy. They're handy in the first couple of days, but yeah. I'd probably say after about four or five days, they're really not necessary. No. Go back to your cotton underwear. Um, you're not bleeding typically as much by that time. And you should really not be harboring that kind of moist environment yeah. for a long time. I've seen a lot of women do the disposable undies with the pad inside yeah. for the first like day or two, just while they're heavy and while they're getting used to the bleeding. And then you don't have to be changing your undies like every couple of hours. Mm. You're just changing yeah. your pad regularly. It's important to avoid using tampons and also swimming, at least for the first six weeks. Hopping in the bath is often a debated issue in the first six weeks. Some healthcare providers would say to avoid submerging your vagina in a 
pool of water in pretty much just for infection yeah for infection purposes however i personally think that it can be beneficial to have like an epsom salt bath or a sits bath to aid the healing of your stitches you just need to make sure that you're not in too long and that you don't share your bath with anyone else Um, You can also add in some like dried calendula or tea tree or lavender oil into the bath. Just a couple of drops, nothing too extensive. Don't go bombing your whole body with this stuff. And you can shower before you hop in, I think, too. And then when you you get out, you can have a quick another little rinse as well. Most women don't realize this, but you start bleeding the moment your placenta is birthed, regardless of whether you have a vaginal birth or a Caesar. We refer to this as lochia. The area of your uterus, which your placenta was attached to, leaves a raw area full of blood vessels. So as your uterus shrinks down to its pre-pregnancy size, you continue to bleed. Initially, your blood loss is heavy and bright to begin with, and then it slows down and changes to a brownish pinkish color. And then it eventually goes to a yellowy slash discharge type of consistency, like your normal discharge for you. It's normal to bleed on and off for up to six weeks postpartum. So you may pass some very small clots as well. A lot of the midwives and doctors in hospital and throughout your postpartum stage will ask you if you've passed any clots and if you have increased bleeding. So clots are basically just an accumulation of blood that's kind of dried together and formed. A little bit of squidge. Squidge, yeah. It's really helpful also when you're trying to describe your blood loss postnatally, if you're raising concerns about it or if you're not sure if it's normal, it's really important to kind of measure it against something that is easy for us to understand if we're not face-to-face or not physically looking at it. So firstly, describing it like a coin, the size of a coin, so like a 10-cent piece, a 20-cent piece, a 50-cent piece, or... Something that's universal. Yeah, items of fruit or like a golf ball, an apple, an orange. You know, obviously an orange is quite a big clot or like the size of the palm of your hand or something like that that's a little bit more easier for us to kind of gauge if that's a normal volume of clot or not. Or take a photo of it. That's a goodie. It's hard too if you pass it in the toilet though because it dilutes in the water. But just do what you can. And don't be afraid about showing that photo to your healthcare provider as well. Yeah, we've seen the it. amount of photos that we've been shown of clots. Texted. Yeah. <laughs> Incoming picture message. <laughs> so healing from a cesarean section is slightly different. It should be gentle and slow as you're typically bed bound for the first day. You usually have a catheter in your bladder and you rely on the support from your partner and midwives initially. So don't be a hero and definitely take the pain relief drugs. Absolutely. They usually only offer you the good stuff for the first couple of days. And once you're beyond this point and heading towards discharge, and obviously once you're at home, simple pain relief like Panadol, Nurofen or Voltaren is all you should need to manage. So when caring for your cesarean section wound, it's usually located on your bikini line. So that's just under where your underwear would normally sit. So quite low down. You typically have a clear dressing over the top of it for at least five to seven days. So try and keep that dressing intact as, as long as possible. You can get it wet. So like, don't worry about it in the shower. Yeah, they're waterproof. Yeah. When it's time to get up and move around, you'll be loaded with some pain relief. It's important to get up and move around, whether it's just going to the bathroom, having a shower, but try not to overdo it. Yeah, definitely move move slow. Yeah. And then each day just do a little bit more. Yeah. yeah. The more you move, the better you will feel. But yeah. just make sure it's a gradual process initially. Some tips that you can use, um, particularly for the first couple of days while you're getting out of a chair or out from bed or whatever it may be, is roll up a towel and brace your lower abdomen with that towel puts extra pressure there. Some women often feel that with a cesarean section wound, there's a lot of pressure on their wound and it's quite uncomfortable. So by bracing yourself and holding yourself in because your abdominal muscles won't be doing that for you at that time, that may help that sensation. And you can also do this with coughing, sneezing, Mm. yeah, laughing. (laughs) Everyone says, don't make me laugh. (laughs) Don't make me run. I'm fully talented. (laughs) No heavy lifting. Pretty much your baby's weight should yeah, be the weight that you're that's lifting. Yeah, the rule of thumb. Yeah. 
So you can't drive for the first six weeks. Um, a lot of, like, some women do go to the GP and get a clearance yeah. prior to this. Yes. Pretty much the reason they say you can't drive for the first six weeks is insurance. Drink lots of water and tea to help with the gas and bloating. When the dressing is removed, you can keep a pad inside your underwear to prevent your underwear fabric from rubbing on your wound. So you're probably thinking, how the heck do you do that? But basically you take the adhesive side of the pad, stick that to your underwear, and then the pad just aligns nicely with your tummy. Yeah, it's nice and soft so you're not having any like pants or undies, just full rubbing up on your stitches. <laughs> full rubbing up. Full rubbing up. <laughs> Wear comfy clothes, as we said, big undies, trackies that go up over the wound. Yeah, just make sure whatever bottoms that you're wearing sit really high up above your wound. Yeah. And take stool softeners. Keep those bowels moving. Yeah, you just don't want to get too constipated, especially with the medications that you'll be taking as well. So a lot of the pain relief that you'll be taking can back you up a little bit. So you can get Metamucil, Movicol. Lactulose, water, increase your fiber. Have you ever had too much lactulose before? (laughs) (laughs) I actually gave my partner too much as well. (gasps) When? Oh, he would die for me saying this. He always jokes that I tried to kill him. Oh my God, yes, I remember that. (laughs) So (laughs) I can't remember. He'd had surgery. Mm. And he was on pain medication. Yeah, his, his arm, arm surgery. Yeah. yeah. So I gave him some Movicol and that wasn't working. So I was then came home and gave him Lactulose. And then I also brought home some Coloxal <laughs> as well. And I, I told him not to take them all at once. But I think he took like some in the morning and then some at night. And then it was bad. So actually, he said this to me. He thinks those pains were worse than labor pains. <laughs> Poop pains. <laughs> I mean, if you've ever given yourself too much lactulose, that's not a fun time. It's not good. That so pain hurts. Just heads up. Just go slow. Go really slow. Yeah. Maybe like one a day or something. And don't be mixing them around. Um, you also still bleed after a cesarean section. Yes. I think a some women, women think that yeah. you just don't bleed. I but think a you lot do. of women think that when you have a Caesar, they just take everything, everything out. out. No, you still have a uterus. Yeah, and you, you still bleed. Yeah. Yep. So it's typically the volume of blood loss is a lot less yeah. than if you'd had a vaginal birth, but you do still bleed. And you can still bleed for the same period of time as well. For So up to the six weeks, spotting here and there as well. Caesarean section recovery can take a little bit longer than a vaginal birth recovery. Mm-hmm. It is a major surgery and they do have to make an incision through your Multiple major layers. yeah, your abdominal muscles as well. So just give yourself time. So we've lightly touched on this just before, but some women might experience loose bowel motions up to a few days before they give birth. And this is caused by a release of prostaglandins. Now, because your bowel becomes quite active during birth it isn't uncommon for you to experience constipation after you give birth so sluggish bowels an aching vagina or a cesarean section wound (laughs) may potentially psych you out from wanting to go as well Um, but it's quite usual for you to not open your bowels or have the urge to open your bowels for two to three days post-birth so it's important to stay hydrated keep that fiber up to avoid from getting prolonged constipation And most women, when they actually go, they say, oh, that's not even that bad. No, exactly right. I think it's the fear behind pushing on that area. Yes. Yeah. But if you keep it nice and soft, you're not pushing that hard. Yeah. You've pushed hard enough. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. (laughs) So there's also a lot of changes that your body's going through postpartum. But one of the biggest ones is hormonal changes. The first few weeks after having a baby is overwhelming, amazing, hard, joyful, exhausting, and life-changing. You feel euphoric, but can also feel depleted at times as well. And this is completely normal. And it's not only due to you giving birth to another human and then having them solely rely on you and your partner to actually stay alive. (laughs) But there's also a lot of chemical imbalances that are trying to sort themselves out within your body as the natural process of your hormone fluctuations continue. As a result of this, you can experience a number of different symptoms. 
The first one that is quite common and and affects about a third of new mums is night sweats. And not a lot of women know Know about about this. this, yeah. Yeah. So again, this is caused by a fluctuation in hormonal changes. It's actually the decrease in estrogen and progesterone levels, which your body needs high levels of during pregnancy, but just not as much postpartum. And it's also due to the body needing to excrete additional fluid that's been retained during your pregnancy. That'll be me. I'm going to be the biggest puff of fish. I'm not going to have a neck. <laughs> For sure. Did I have a neck? Yeah. I'm not saying that was you. I'm <laughs> saying this is about me. This is about me. This is about me. My. If you had a preeclampsia, which is a blood pressure condition in pregnancy or hypertension, oh, yeah, no, this yeah, wasn't yeah. you. You weren't puffy. <laughs> <laughs> um, or if you had lots of intravenous fluids in labor, you might be more likely to suffer from night sweats. And also it can be associated with part of your milk coming in as well. Yes. Yeah. Now we aren't really going to explore in depth the process of Feeding your baby and, like, yeah. and breastfeeding in this episode, we intend to do a complete that's episode a whole that on the future. Episode in itself, but that can be a reason as to why you may experience night sweats as well. So it's really important that you replace the fluid that your body's losing. Coconut water, hydrolyte, or anything with electrolytes in it is a good is a good alternative to just plain water. Um, and think about swapping your bedding as well for lighter fabrics and avoid synthetic mattress protectors and doonas. Um, think about wearing linen pajamas something that's going to be comfy easily accessible if you're breastfeeding yeah. but also light yeah yeah just whip it off i think a lot of women underestimate the night sweats i slept on a towel did you yeah, yeah. so you don't want to be changing you don't have time to be changing sheets no so just pop a towel down worked a treat You also are going to have a surge in oxytocin and prolactin. So this is what a lot of people refer to as the motherly protection feeling that you get right after birth. And it's also the hormone that increases your milk production too. You may also experience probably something that you've heard before called the baby blues or the postnatal blues or the day three blues. This is more common than Not. not. Yeah. And doesn't necessarily occur just in the first week. No, typically around about like day three to five, but some women get it earlier and some women get it later than this as well. So again, these are due to changes in your hormones. Again, predominantly a decrease in estrogen and progesterone levels. They have such a fast drop post-birth. It's basically as soon as your placenta's been birthed that they start dropping. Not only this, but your life has also changed dramatically as well. The baby blues can look like mood swings, irritability, sadness, anxiety, and many more things which usually resolve about one week postpartum. Anything that lasts for two or more consecutive weeks and are intense and interfere with your daily ability to just go throughout life you should definitely take it seriously, really. Yeah. A lot of and women, I think, advice. think they're in there a little bit of a funk because they're sleep deprived, they're looking after a newborn. And I think a lot of times the partners and the family are the ones that see changes in women the most. Yeah. So we've previously spoken about resources that you can access if you are feeling prolonged sadness, anxiety, anxiety. symptoms of depression. Yeah. Two great resources are Panda and Cope. So just... Jot them on, type them into Google, and they both have really amazing web pages and um, information helplines that you can access if you need. So while we're on the topic of supports, obviously you need to create your little village to help support you in the fourth trimester. And this is also where you learn to set boundaries. (laughs) I'm very bad at setting boundaries. I think a lot of people are, especially in the postnatal period, because so many people want to meet the baby. When it's not just about the baby. I think there are gentle ways to communicate your wishes to friends and family surrounding visiting. Yes, family dynamics can be sometimes really tricky to navigate. So you just have to do what's right for you. But make sure that you have a balance because at the end of the day, it's you that's on permanent night shift for the unforeseen future. So you'll eventually learn what your limits are. There's this meme that always goes around that's like, hey, I want to come see the baby. And then the mother says like, yeah, 4am would be perfect. It's, it's actually, it's so true. true. And everyone just laughs it off, but you need, I'm not saying you should get your visitors to come around like (laughs) 3, (laughs) 4am, 
But I think a lot of visitors just come over, they're focused on the newborn, they just sit there on the couch, they have cuddles, and then they just bail. Yeah. When, if you're having visitors come over, get them to bring food. Yeah. You know, get them to pick up a vacuum. I would never do that. No, I was going to say, I was like, I'm never going to (laughs) ask. When you have a baby, I'll come over and vacuum. You heard it here first. <laughs> Fuck yes. Hayes will just be sitting there making more of a mess anyway. <laughs> You'll be vacuuming yeah. up after your own child. <laughs> I think that's something that's really important is feeding when visitors are around. Yes. And this is in the hospital when you're at home. A lot of people don't really want to breastfeed when they have visitors present. Because you're yeah. learning. Yeah, you're learning. And, it's, you know, it's, it's uncomfortable. It's fidgety. Something you that milk you need to everywhere. adjust to as well yeah. as whipping your breast out, which is something that not a lot of people do on the reg they don't intentionally. Might feel comfortable with it. So I think it's really important to... I cracked a funny and you didn't even recognize it. I don't have breath. What did you say? Whipping boobs. Never mind. Whipping boobs out. <laughs> I thought it was funny. Well, I'm sitting here I... laughing at my own joke and so he's just being serious. <laughs> I think because I've been so spon- like so weird at the start of this. Anyway, um, look, we're trying to say feed your baby when it needs to be fed. We've seen it so often. You, t- you end up just taking your baby into another room if you're breastfeeding to feed them. Or you don't and you don't feed it for hours because the baby's been cuddled and it's settled and it's been passed around with family members and then it gets to the afternoon and that's when the baby's unsettled. Mm-hmm. Just live in your little love bubble for yeah. a little while. You don't get this time again. No. Skin to skin is so important. It's not just important in the first couple of hours post-birth. It's in crucial for bonding in that entire yeah. fourth trimester. So you're still learning how to navigate motherhood and adjust to your life being a parent and being responsible for this baby. So just don't put that aside for people coming into your environment, I think is the take home here. Yeah. And create your village. Yeah. So, you know, typically it's our mums because they're the best. They're the Agreed. ones that, you know, you feel comfortable around and they've been through it themselves. So get them to prepare your meals. It's really important to eat nutritious food, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But prep those meals, clean up so your space feels comfortable to be in. If they need to hold the baby because bub just wants to be with someone while it sleeps, then you go have a nap, you know, just create whatever that looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Also getting rest is so important. If you feel like you need it, just as Ash said, give the baby to someone, whether it's your partner, someone like your best friend, your mom, your sister, just anyone that can hold the baby and keep them settled. Even if it's like an hour. Yeah. Learn to delegate as hard as that is. Reach out when you need help. Absolutely. And don't feel like you have to get out and about with a newborn. On that note, since you'll be spending so much time at home, it's important to make it your sanctuary. Yes. We underestimate, I think, the importance of natural light and fresh air. So where you can, open your blinds and your windows. And I think additionally to this as well, it's really important to think about investing in like a good quality pillow. Um, You should always have your drink bottle beside you yeah a lot of women make a breastfeeding basket which is really good idea so you put like the remote yeah yeah i did it and i used the remote (laughs) (laughs) number one item netflix Netflix is life (laughs) (laughs) so in the box you can have snacks like muesli bars healthy little snacks i used to put an apple in there sometimes never used to eat it i was gonna say (laughs) it's healthy um like breast pads yeah a towel if the baby if you have like a vomiter what else did I Lip put balm? in there? Lip balm, water bottle. That's a great tip. I yeah, love that. Yeah, it's really good actually. And then whenever you're about to breastfeed, you just make sure you have your basket next to you. And then you have all your <laughs> Where's my basket? Where's my basket? <laughs> Carol basket. Carol basket. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, all you cool cats and kittens. You've wanted to say that I oh, know, I've wanted to say that for ages. <laughs> oh, anyway, I think something that's so important in the postnatal period, which is something that women learn as they become a mother is your gut feelings. Yeah. Your maternal instinct, really. Mm. I like to think of this as a blind date. (laughs) You would. (laughs) But without the ability to ghost them afterwards. Do you ghost? Sometimes. Do you? (gasps) Am I a terrible person? Are they a terrible date? Yeah. I wouldn't just ghost someone for the sake of it. I ghosted 
Oh, so you recently ghosted someone. I did. Good on you. He deserved it. He did deserve it. This guy that we're talking about, we're not going to say any names, but he was a, can I say asshole? I can say asshole. <laughs> It's my podcast. It's our, it's our podcast. We can say what we want. So yeah, Ash recently ghosted someone. <laughs> anyway, back to... But I like to think of getting to know your baby as like a blind date. Yeah, it is. You've never you're, met him. You're getting to know each other completely from scratch. Like, yes, you've grown this human, but you are learning their mannerisms. You're learning the way their that they... Cues. Commu- yeah, their yeah. cues, the way they communicate with you. And they're, learn- they're gauging that energy from you as well. Yeah. So I think a lot of first-time mothers in particular rely on external factors, such as the internet or, f- like, forums, Podcasts. mothers groups, <laughs> <laughs> for advice. But let us just say that no one knows what they're doing when they have a baby and we've all turned out relatively okay. So just go with the flow, trust your gut. You definitely know your baby better than anyone else. And babies are all different with their patterns and their behaviors also change every day. So just learn to let go of the idea of having control and give yourself room to fail. Yes. And it's not even failing. No, it's it's just probably the wrong word, but like just... Not everything's going to work. Yes, exactly. And something that might work for your friend's baby isn't going to work for your baby. No. And I think a lot of women get caught up on the sleep cycles. I think that's the main one, actually. Sleep is is such a dream feed and... Society puts pressure on mothers to get their babies to sleep. The first thing that people always ask you is, is baby sleeping? No, it's not. But it's normal not to sleep. And comparing that with each other. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's the comparison in that that's And the some babies will because wake up multiple times throughout a night for up to two years. It's real hard. Yes. Because Hayes wakes up a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so trust your maternal instincts. Trust your gut. Go with that feeling. You know your baby. Yeah. You know yourself. Be willing to try it all. Yeah. And throw all the other shit advice out the window. Just take little bits of advice, whatever works for you, really. What's that number one thing that mothers, um, like our parents' generation always says? Um, don't cuddle your baby too much. Yes, don't pick up your crying baby. I don't know why I just forgot about that, but yes. I got told I just... a lot um, in the fourth trimester, just don't cuddle your baby too much because you'll, you'll like spoil them or you'll set wow. them up that they won't sleep well. Yeah. I you cannot oh. spoil you cannot a newborn spoil. baby. Just soak up all those afternoons on the couch. There is nothing more important that you are doing than yes. raising your baby. Exactly. And so, enjoy it. Yeah. Those first couple of weeks are so amazing when they just sleep on your chest for hours on end. That's why you need the remote in your breastfeeding basket. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> enjoy the skin to skin, but put on selling something. Yeah. <laughs> We also wanted to talk about the impact of um, body image, your perception of yourself, because that goes through a really big change. Your body goes through such a transition. Your identity within yourself changes, but obviously your physical appearance does change. Yeah, and it could be quite daunting for a lot of women as well. The first few weeks, your body changes so much. You might appear softer. You might appear a little bit rounder. Squidgier. Squidgier. Better to hug. (laughs) More to love. (laughs) Your boobs might be lopsided, hard as rocks. Leaking consistently. (laughs) All the time. Your thighs might touch. Have have always touched. (laughs) Catches the crumbs. You'll have stretch marks, your face might be a bit puffier, but try to show as much gratitude as you can in this transformation because you're incredible and so is your body. And don't feel like you have to bounce back. I hate hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Bounce back and you see all Bounce back to what? Yeah. Do you have to get back to your pre-pregnancy body? No. Your post-pregnancy body might be better than your pre-pregnancy body. So a couple of things that change with your body image. For one, you might have a mum tum and this can be named many different things under the sun. I only really know is it a mum tum, but do you know it is anything different? Well, didn't you say the other day it was a pooch? A pooch. <laughs> and then I've, I've, also, heard, I've also heard pouch. Mm. 
A mum tum bulge occurs when the abdominals stretch sideways and the connective tissue running down the middle line of the torso called the linear alba becomes overstretched and weak. While the spine in the back of the body gives support, we only have our abdominal muscles in the front for support. So if your abdominal muscles aren't as strong anymore because you have just birthed a baby, this is where sometimes it looks like you have a little bit of a pouch sitting just underneath your belly button to the top of your pubic bone, really. And this is just where your abdominal muscles are a little bit weak. Something that I definitely have experienced myself is postpartum hair loss. So you can blame a drop in estrogen for this one. High levels of estrogen actually prevent your hair from falling out at its usual rate. And your hair loss actually slows down whilst you're pregnant, which is why sometimes you feel like you go from losing hardly anything during your pregnancy and you have this voluptuous hair (laughs) to losing like half your head of hair in the shower in one sitting postpartum. So your average hair loss can go from 80 strands a day pre-pregnancy to around about 400 a day in a postpartum period. That is a lot. (laughs) Did I send you the photo of how much hair I'd lost? No. Oh my God. It's literally- Oh, in the shower. Yes, you did. It's a lot. I've still got hair, don't worry. There's 400 strands of hair clogging (laughs) Sophie's drain. My partner says it all the time. (laughs) Hair loss usually peaks around the four month mark and you'll notice your hair may grow back like baby hairs or with a different texture or even color sometimes too. You can actually help support regrowth with incorporating lots of healthy fats and omega-3s like avocado, coconut, salmon, anything with silica and collagen really, and yeah. bone broths bone broth too. Snacks, yeah. Yeah. Pigmentation is an off, is yeah. quite common as well. This can actually happen during, during pregnancy as well as yeah. in the fourth trimester. Also known as skin hyperpigmentation or melasma. Melasma is a skin disorder where the melanocytes, which are the color producing cells in your skin, produce extra pigment for some reason. It's a cosmetic concern, which means really it doesn't affect the pregnancy or the baby in any way. And 50 to 70% of women will get some form of melasma, either antenatally or postnatally. So skin hyperpigmentation isn't always just on the face. Your nipples get darker. Your vagina can get darker and your stomach can also get a line down the center, which is also referred to as linear nigra. This usually also settles down within the first few months after having a baby. But if you're breastfeeding, it can go on a little bit longer because your hormone levels stay higher. Do you remember we were at work and because if anyone's seen photos of me on our Instagram, I do have the pigmentation. We had a doctor at work say to me oh, one yeah. day, what did she say? Um, something about you having a moustache. Oh, yeah. She said something about having me having a moustache. And Ash and I were just staring at each other like, oh, my God. I know. How rude. <laughs> sun, and I think this was your major thing, sun definitely makes it worse. Yeah. And you're a big sun gal. Yeah, I am. So slip, slop, slap. Sunscreen. Wear a hat. 50 plus, wherever you can. Lemon juice can also sometimes help it fade. Skin needling, this can help as well. And also some skin peels that you can get can take away the pigmentation. But just be careful because you can't get a lot of skin peels if you're breastfeeding. It's important too, mainly for your mental health, to get back into some sort of exercise. Now, we're not saying, you know, pressure to return to your usual fitness level. It'll actually help drastically in terms of your mental health and the way you feel within your own body as opposed to how it physically looks yeah one thing that we really wanted to talk about because this is such a taboo subject that not only women don't want to discuss too much obviously you talk to your friends about sex on the daily if you have a really close knit friendship group but something that isn't spoken about postnatally a lot is when you return to having sex And intimacy can be displayed in different ways. It doesn't have to be sex. But there's no time frame as well as to when you should return to having sex. I think that's important to note. Absolutely. Most women will have that postpartum checkup at six weeks and be given the quote-unquote all clear to resume sexual activity. But that's not to say that you're actually ready to do that. So just take your time. Do it when you feel comfortable. Yeah, you're supposed to enjoy it. Yeah, and don't feel like you have to do it for your partner. 
There's a couple of things that might prevent you from wanting to have sex. For one, your hormone levels are still fluctuating. And one thing that can affect sexual intercourse at this time is a dry vagina. Mm. And this is due to your hormone levels. So when you are getting ready for the down and dirty, try some lubricant. This can help. You could also have a little bit of pain still. And I'm just, I'm just going to say it. But the first time having sex after having a baby feels like you're a bit like a virgin again. Mm, I've heard that a lot. Yeah. It's not really enjoyable, but you get there. So give it a go and don't feel like you have to do it. If it's something that you're not comfortable with, prolong it a little bit longer. There's other ways that you can show intimacy with your partner, whether it's holding hands, cuddles on the couch, back Tell- massages, tickles. Them you love them. Yeah. Tickles. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you can use your imagination for the rest. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to go through everything. <laughs> Nutrition is a massive part of your postnatal recovery that I think a lot of women lack in as well or don't focus on. So your postpartum diet should be similar to when you're pregnant. However, you get to eat all of the things that were off the list in pregnancy. cheese. Yes. Sushi. Seafood. Sashimi. (laughs) (laughs) Make sure you, to the best of your ability, eat a really balanced diet. So lots of healthy fats. Fruits, veggies, whole grains, good quality proteins, um, nuts and seeds, especially if you're breastfeeding. Yeah. And increase your fluid intake as well. I think we've spoken about so much about how much water intake you need, especially when you're breastfeeding. We hope you're understanding it now. (laughs) (laughs) Also, try to eat iron-rich foods to replenish what you've lost. You're going to lose some type of blood, whether you have a Caesar or a vaginal birth, some a little bit more than others. But by eating iron-rich foods, you'll just slowly bring your iron levels back up again. You can also take an iron supplement as well. But if you don't need to, don't. don't. Yeah. So lots of green leafy veggies, red meat. Clams, Mm. which I didn't know. Mm. Oysters. Mm. Oysters. Yeah, that could help with your sex drive too. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) Two in one. Um, vitamin B12 is also important for red blood cell development and babies with a low B12 have an increased risk of failure to thrive, which is a term we often use when describing a baby that's not growing and meeting milestones at the time that they should and putting on weight and all of those sorts of things. This also can correlate with developmental delays. The best sources of B12 are beef, salmon, tuna. You can get it from fortified dairy and cereals as well. Also a really important one is vitamin D because this supports your immune, brain, and nervous system, and it also can reduce the risk of postnatal depression and anxiety. So some foods with vitamin D are fatty fish such as salmon, tuna, orange juice so importantly have pre-prepared meals i think that helps a lot particularly in the first couple of months um and it keeps you accountable to eat well so yeah. you're not snacking on the go or getting quick and easy meals that maybe don't have a high nutritional value think too if you are a breast feeding mother what you ingest is what your baby is getting from you. And they actually take all of your good sources of those vitamins and minerals before your body is able to absorb them for yourself. So just think about that when you're choosing what to eat in that period of time. Definitely treat yourself. Have snacks here and there. Oh, yeah. Chocolate makes the world go round. Mm-hmm. Definitely not saying to um, limit. limit yourself. Also, another really important aspect of the fourth trimester is self-care. And really your mental recovery. We love self-care. We really do like self-care. Our self-care is like buying that set of, like those new shoes or like the dress. Yeah. My my self-care is definitely shopping. Yeah. Mine is too. We used to actually switch clothes. Sometimes we'd put our clothes in the office, just like hanging on coat. (laughs) (laughs) Our boss was like, oh, why have you got like a going out dress sitting in the office? Oh, Ash is just borrowing it this weekend. (laughs) So take time for yourself where possible. We obviously know that's really hard when you have a newborn. Even if it's a warm shower, 
with it actually i have found if you are in the shower and you put a shower cap on and then you put your head underneath the water you can't hear anything (laughs) so self-care shower with the shower cap on and you can't hear the baby crying we're all about being (laughs) relatable and real here (laughs) it also looks really cool Stunning. Can you take a photo next time? Yeah, I will. Thank you. Um, cry when you need to. Oh, let it out. Just let it out. We're all about crying over It here. resets you when you it have a does. good cry. Sometimes when you cry, you're like, oh, I feel better. I cry a lot. I've actually gotten really sensitive. I've gotten really sensitive post-haze. Yeah. Prior to that, I you didn't a cry girl. a lot. Yeah. No. My mum always even used to say to me, like, in really sad movies, you're heartless. <laughs> Savage. Not too far from the truth. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, listen to music that relaxes you. I find that the best environments that you could put yourself into, I guess this works back as well into creating your sanctuary because you inevitably you will be at home a little bit more. I'm not saying everyone will be. Some people are really like to be out and about, but inevitably you are home more than what you were before you had a baby because you're not working for one. Or you could be working, but you're still at home with a baby. (laughs) Um, But having tunes on in the background, it's nice for your baby to learn to sleep in different environments as well. I know a lot of babies sleep to the sound of white noise and those sorts of things, but having your own music on, you've lost enough of your identity as it is, or it's transitioning at least. So get back to a little bit of you. I know for me, music hits me. Oh, really I well love listening to music. Affects my mood so much. I quite often will put tunes on when I'm cleaning the house, folding the washing, which is never ending. My couch is just full of a washing pile all the time. <laughs> but also, all the mums will understand this when the baby's crying in the car. Just pump those tunes. What do you play? Oh, everything. Okay, it's a lot of it's nursery rhymes. But really? <laughs> yeah. And you're like belting them out. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> you're gonna laugh at this. The one song that Hayes absolutely loves is "We're All Going on a Summer Holiday, but only for a week or two. and that's it. That's all I know. So I had to sing that on repeat. <laughs> I'm such a weirdo. Yeah. Uh, we've touched on this before, but don't get so stressed over sleep podcasts, sleep studies, sleep everything. Yeah, your baby's individual, and it won't always follow a guideline. Talk about your feelings with people, your friends, your closest, your near and dearest. Some days you're going to be tired, exhausted, emotional, stressed out. and Frustrated. That, oh, so frustrated. In those moments of frustration too, just take yourself out of the environment. Take a deep breath and just walk out. Yeah, if if your baby's I just I don't mean lost. walk out of the house like when your child's inside, but like walk outside and but just no, get some fresh air. But no, sometimes, I think sometimes you need to. Obviously put your baby in a safe space. Oh, like yeah. put your baby in the bassinet or baby in the cot. The and just if you're so frustrated and you're boiling and you're at that breaking point and you don't know what to do, just step outside. Take a deep breath. Count to five. Reset. Reset. And then inside. go back in. Yeah. That's a and, really good point, actually. And don't be hard on yourself. And don't feel guilty about that. Yes. You need sometimes just a moment to reset and you feel a little bit better. Tomorrow's a new day. I think it's really important for mums to just every single night just know that tomorrow's going to be different. Reset. Yeah. What do you think about when people say to you sleep when the baby sleeps? Look. I try to have naps every now and then when he sleeps, especially for like the long midday nap. But, but what about in like the initial? But it's really period? hard when you're already not getting enough time for yourself. Mm-hmm. And when someone says sleep when the baby sleeps, when are you meant to shower, eat, watch the TV that you want to watch because <laughs> you're not getting a chance to do that either? So obviously have naps whenever you can, get the support you need, but just take that advice with a grain of salt. We've spoken a lot on this pod about finding your new identity and motherhood and there will be a day where you wake up and realize that, shit, this is real. Yeah, like this is your new normal. (laughs) In that moment, you may feel out of your depth. For example, you used to be able to achieve so much in a day and now if you wash your hair and eat at the same time as your partner, then you feel like you've achieved a glory similar to meeting your Q4 target minus the monetary bonus at the end of it. So if you're struggling with how much your life has changed, just know that you're not alone. Regardless of how ready we think we are for motherhood, nothing ever truly prepares you enough. 
And the thought of that can be really confronting, especially when you're living it. But women go through this every day and you're literally doing one of the most important jobs on the planet. And it's also the most under-recognized. That is very true. So just take time to settle into your new life. And don't always feel guilty about longing for your old life as well. No. There'll come moments where you, you just... You will mourn it, won't yeah, you? Yeah, you do because it's a massive change and this is just your new normal and it's okay to miss your old life too. Mm. Being able to walk out of the house in like 20 seconds. I think Ash and I just want to stress enough about being kind to yourself. We say this over and over again and I think that's the most important thing. We'll always continue to say it as well. So thank you for listening to this episode of With Woman. We hope you found this useful for your journey and you can find us on Instagram at withwoman.thepodcast. So flick us a follow and get amongst it. You'll find our latest episode updates there and also please feel free to slide on into our DMs if there are any topics you'd like us to discuss in the future. That's it for us. Bye. Bye.